Well, it finally happened. This little experiment has branched out beyond my walk-in closet and into a real studio with professional equipment. The 25th episode of The New Professor is special in a number of ways. First, it's the 25th, which is neat. Second, it's about an hour long, which is considerably longer than the typical episode. Third, the number of people involved has increased by 200%. For the very first episode that involves a discussion slash interview slash guest slash whatever you want to call it, I was fortunate enough to sit down with Angela Gunder and Luis Carrion from the Office of Digital Learning here at the University of Arizona. We talked about what they do, how students, faculty, and staff from the university can get involved and take advantage of what their office provides, talked a bit about online education, generally speaking, and then some of the other initiatives that cross over between their worlds and mine, which is to say, yours. So here is the entire conversation, unedited, because you deserve it. I hope you enjoy this departure from the typical format. Enjoy. I'm Dr. Ryan Strait, Assistant Professor of Educational Technology at the University of Arizona, and this is The New Professor. Talk academic to me. No, definitely not. Okay, I think I think we're we're rolling now. Awesome. Um, mic check. Louise, how many mic, of you mic, 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 how many of these have you done so far? Well, um, you know, we're just getting started. We've worked with uh, four different people on podcasting projects at this point. Um, so this will be our fifth, um, a total, if I had to count maybe, maybe a dozen different, you know, actual podcast recordings that we've put out. So it's, um, I feel like we're still kind of finding our legs and, uh, the workflow, but, um, it's coming along and Ryan, this is, you know, a great project. I'm really excited about you. Uh, being excited about podcasting, so you know it's it's great to be working with you. And we're, I was telling Ryan about our new studio that we're going to have right over here, just adjacent to this room, where we're actually going to be intentional about designing the space with acoustics in mind. So we're going to be putting some acoustic treatments on the wall, carpeting. So it's going to be a nice space for us to actually record in. This is the first I'm hearing about this. So tell me more about this new space. I'm really. Well, um, when, when know, can I bring the champagne? Because I want to, I want <laughs> to break it on the door, it, yeah. but yes. not on the acoustic panels. <laughs> They're very expensive. <laughs> right. Well, we well, just drink it. It's unlike a, the champagne, which will not be <laughs> very no, expensive. Like Corbell. 
It's a space <laughs> that right now is uh, controlled by Arizona Public Media, but they're using it just for storage. Um, and it's a small office space, um, but it's far enough away from the traffic. You know, there, this is a kind of a high traffic area with students coming in and out. We have the trolley not far from here, and sometimes you know they feel compelled to. Uh, blow their horn and you know <laughs> ring the bells and everything. So it makes it sound so glamorous for folks that are not in Tucson. So <laughs> yeah. it's a light Ooh, rail a train <laughs> that definitely honks at students that are crossing yeah. at the wrong time. Like it's, you're, you're thinking San Francisco, it ain't that. It is right. not. No riceroni involved. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, we're excited about the space. Um, it's going to be a nice opportunity for faculty and instructors to come in and really develop some content in this medium so we're really excited about that is it going to be big enough to do this kind of thing yes okay. um, and it's going to be set up so that we just people can just walk in and you know push the button and start recording so it's going to be uh, a nice, nice plug and play type of a scenario very nice that's what we like <laughs> first you plug then you play yes <laughs> so speaking of this kind of thing we should probably say what we're doing <laughs> we're disembodied voices yes. we're actually ghosts <laughs> sometimes when it's hot enough. Um, so, okay, so welcome to, um, I think this will, if this goes out next week, it'll be episode 25 of The New Professor. Pew, pew, pew. Woohoo. Well, there, there's, there's a, a phenomenon, I guess. I can't remember what it's called, but there's like this, this, this cliff that podcasts go off <laughs> right about episode 20. Yes. It's if you look on like the vast majority of podcasts, there's there's right about twenty, and then they just stop. Right? It's true. People just get busy or they they get and bored they say or season one, but it's actually season done. Yeah, like it's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that I, so when I got to episode twenty one, I was like, yeah, I made it. <laughs> I am the threshold. Passed the curve. You're now legal. Yeah, I'm legal. <laughs> so the fact that we're still going strong with twenty five, I'm excited. Um, so here with me today, I have my first podcast where I'm, I actually have guests on. You're hearing more than just me. Um, so instead of trying to do inter or introductions and whatnot, I'm just going to let them talk, and you should be able to guess who's who. Um, but Angela, would you like to start us off? Yeah, I'm Angela Gunder. I am the Director of Instructional Design and Curriculum Development at the Office of Digital Learning at the University of Arizona in the city of Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> I could go on forever. It, on Earth. Um, and uh, I'm also a co-conspirator with Ryan on a couple of really cool projects, including one that we're doing recently called the Squad Goals Network. Yes, and if you follow me on Twitter, you will have been punched in the face by the Squad Goals Network over the past <laughs> month or so. Punching you in the face with... <laughs> with goodness. With Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I wasn't going to say goodness, but that's we're going to stick to that. With community and goodness and love. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Luis Carrion. And I'm a producer, videographer, editor here in the Office of Digital Learning. Um, I'm one of the leads in this uh, great studio space that we have here. We have a full production studio where we can do three camera, four camera live switching. We have green screen capabilities. We take care of a lot of instructors that need to just uh, do uh, on-camera presentations. So we have digital whiteboards. Uh, the ability to uh, present PowerPoint presentations, and we also do a lot of field production. So we do um, what I like to call um, mini documentaries out in the field, where we take in various topics that instructors are interested in exploring and produce 
documentaries um, about the uh, subject matter and they incorporate that into their curriculum and their courses. We also are ramping up our audio podcasting capabilities. So we're doing some field produced um, podcasts and then also studio based podcasts. Um, so we're here in Tucson and <laughs> Harville and this is our small office slash uh, podcasting studio space that we have co-opted for the morning. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I want to I want to touch on because you said here. Right? Yes. And uh, a lot of my listeners, a lot of this, my students are a little bit of everywhere. So, you know, I think it's important to mention uh, that while we are on main campus right now and you ODL was in the library. We were actually, yeah, the penthouse of the library. That was great. <laughs> yeah, there, there was a little um, extension up there. But, you know, we started in 2014 with just a couple of people. Um, it was actually one, just Melody Buckner, our mm. fearless leader. And from July to December, she hired like a drunken pirate. Those are her words, not mine. <laughs> and uh, Luis was one of our first hires, which I think is really compelling because um, a lot of folks think about instructional design as the planning piece, and then media is always ancillary. It mm -hmm. usually uh, comes in maybe the second, third iteration of a course just because there's not enough time. And Melody and Vin Del Casino and Melissa Vito all said, you know what, we're really about storytelling and creating uh, compelling content and doing it in a different way. So they said, we need to get the best. <laughs> they <laughs> got Louise. Yeah, and it sort of, it sort of went from there but yeah we um we quickly outgrew <laughs> that that penthouse and we're now um spread across campus a little bit um, and that's what i'm thinking because you're in mostly your house or your, at least your offices are basement of uits now yes the computer services center whatever it's called yes we are we are in um uh, a box of awesome I, I think we were too loud for the library that was kind of a funny joke get the loudest people at the ua um who are have a penchant for curse words and uh put them in the quiet what should purportedly be the quietest place on campus so i think yeah because sixth floor or was it fifth floor? It was the a quiet fifth, floor. Fifth floor. There is no sixth floor. Oh, okay. They should build one and then and well, then the, give the, it to us. <laughs> the pool on the roof. The pool obviously. on the roof. <laughs> oh man, what we would have done. The courses we would have built <laughs> from the pool on the roof. <laughs> I would have been in there a lot more often. Yeah. But no, it was it was a um, actually a, a space thing. Uh, we have over thirty people now on our team, which is really? mind blowing. But we since 2014, um, have uh, built or redesigned almost 800 courses, undergraduate, graduate, non-credit, and credit. Wow. Yeah. I guess that would partly explain why every time I come and see you, I, I'm like, am I in the right place? Because <laughs> I just... say that every morning when I walk in. <laughs> well, there's, just, there's just faces that I'm completely unfamiliar with, and I'm like... Did they move again? <laughs> and they just didn't tell me? We had an office party, a Christmas party. Actually, it was last year's Christmas party. And um, my husband is most of the people on the team. So we're in the car and he's doing the, the debrief. And I think everybody does that sort of with their partners or with mm -hmm. their family when they mm -hmm. go to some sort of work scenario. And he's like, who do I know here? And I'm like, oh, you know everybody. Thinking it's like the same as <laughs> as all other years. We walked into the the place for the party. And I was like, I don't know some of these people <laughs> that are in in here it was really really funny but um yeah we're we're just so honored to have the um ability to grow in the way that we've grown and um it's 
kind of a weird combination of both velocity, but also constantly looking at the um, the benchmark that we've set for quality. Quality is a word that's kind of um, tossed yeah. around a whole lot, but we just think about if we were students in these classes, what are the learning experiences that we would want to create? And more importantly, let's talk to our students and find out the learning experiences that they want to be within. And then using that as the focus and never really straying from that. And that's so difficult to do, mm. um, especially in this time of, of just, you know, having to do more with less and everybody has metrics that they want to meet. But we've stayed true to that, and I'm super proud that we have. It doesn't mean that we don't have a couple of black eyes from <laughs> some of the tougher things that we've had to do. But um, videography, and I would just say interactive media in general. So all of the things that um, Luis's shop um, is, is producing, that's a huge part of that. And we've had great leadership that said, hey, we want to make sure that we invest in this and do it the right way. And I can I can vouch for that, having seen and received, I think, some of the things that you've done. Um, there are some videos that has have been coming out of your shop recently, um, like for the cyber operations program. I think you guys have done one. Yes. Um, well, you know, my approach with working with uh, faculty, and this is really an exciting part of what we do, is uh, opening up um, the the storytelling opportunities for instructors and you know when a lot of the times the way we work is we'll have an instructor come in and we show them examples of what we can do uh, and talk to them about the workflow and the process of going out and shooting videos and I can see in their eyes when that when that idea finally takes hold and they start to think about the possibilities within their own courses and to me I mean that's one of the most exciting parts because you can see their excitement and they, they instantly start to think about I ideas of taking the classroom outside of the physical classroom and taking their subject matter out into the field and interviewing experts, subject matter experts. Um, one way that I like to uh, explain it is to talk to the instructors about the possibility of a virtual field trip. So. Many instructors know it's like, okay, you get the class coordinated and you go out into the field and you take a field trip, right, where you meet people out uh, at a museum or at a factory or whatever it may be. But uh, taking the camera out into the field, interviewing people and coming back and putting together a mini documentary that will live for a long period of time within their online course uh, is a very exciting thing for them. And many people don't give themselves the opportunity to think about that ahead of time. So it's up to us to explain to them what the possibilities are. Uh, and thankfully now we have enough uh, uh, examples that we can show these to them. So it's a great opportunity for them to see what we can do and to imagine what can be done within their own course. Um, so that's you know, really one of the exciting parts. Of this job. I love one of the things that you said about space. I think that the online environment allows us to renegotiate space and the limitations of it and um, how we can extend it, which is part of our larger mission of providing access. And some of the coolest things that you've done um, have been providing students within courses opportunities to see things and do things that even faculty or main campus students wouldn't be able to do um, and interact with people that they wouldn't necessarily get to see. So like the 
um, Orbital Perspective MOOC um, with Ron Guerin. You get to talk to an astronaut and um, hear his take on not just being an astronaut, but climate change and, um, you know, all of the the other um, tangential pieces related to the science that he's sharing. And then um, the Biosphere 2 MOOC, um, that was another cool one, too, just bringing together all of these researchers from um, their... They're from all over the world, and they're they're talking about this really cool spot here in here in Tucson, <laughs> here in Tucson um, but extending it to to larger environments. So folks might not necessarily have access to those people in those places, and um, the work that Luisa's team actually puts both of those things together in a digestible format for students. So that I always think that's super cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and you know, it's it's exciting for us as media producers to go out into these environments. Uh, one that I'm thinking of right now is for an engineering and mining course, we actually went underground into a mine. Um, you know, and I don't know how you did that too, by the way, with like a camera, like yeah. <laughs> spatially how that worked out. And it's the type of thing that uh, might be difficult to pull off with a face-to-face class because getting a whole group of, a whole classroom of students down into this mine might be difficult. but. It's Ryan, you want to take a bunch we, of students we, into a mine? We saw how that worked last time. And we, we don't want another We're repeat. not going to replicate that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we can go down there and produce a nice documentary that gives students an idea of what it is to be in an underground mine. Um, and, you know, talk to the experts and see how they set up explosives, a variety of things. So, you know, things like that for me are very gratifying in terms of bringing into a video format that can be shared with a variety of students, um, you know, across the world, really. You know, I mean, there are, there are students that take classes from all parts of the country and even the world. We did work with one instructor uh, actually, a few, but an astronomy instructor, and I got to sit in his office when he was bringing up a dashboard that showed the scope of his enrollment. And there are literally students from around the world that are taking the class asynchronously. Um, so it's you know it's just amazing to see the reach of this sort of medium. I've had students that were actually active military. Yeah. on the complete opposite side of the world, yeah. which made for an interesting uh, <laughs> office hours. <Yeah. laughs> but, you, you learn right. to be flexible with that. Yeah, we see that with um, uh, some of the experiences that we have where students come in and they have the usual um, bit of anxiety with the, the new learning environment, new instructor, and the cases that I love that we hear about are, um, hey, I'm on a ship <laughs> that's sailing around the, the country and I only have access to satellite internet at these particular times. Oh, Is awesome. that okay for me to, to to turn in assignments this way, to, to take tests this way? And we're like, yeah, sure. We, we want you here and we'll, we'll figure out the, the logistics on our end to make it possible for you to be in the classroom. So that's super cool. And plus, you know, our faculty love our students because they are all mm-hmm. over the world and they have... Um, really great life experience that they bring so it's not that horrible um, you know discussion board moderation where you're like if I hear the same regurgitation <laughs> of the same the same post I'm, I'm just gonna lose it and uh, um, now you get really rich stories from folks it's like wait what what did you used to do you used to be a pirate that's that's one of the things I've started doing in my classes just um 
you know, it used to be the old fashioned, here's 10 questions about yourself, answer them, everybody answers the same 10 questions, and you put a post on wherever, and, and it's, you don't really learn anything about a student that way, you know? But I started having they, them use Adobe Spark oh. to create videos, like introductory videos, where they get, you know, pictures from stuff their themselves and their families and their trips, and they tell their stories. And, and they're engaged in the actual process as yeah. opposed to feeling like, this instructor and these students don't care about this same post, mm-hmm. especially like those 400-level classes or even grad classes where you're moving through a cohort, and it's like, okay, I've heard Ryan's mm-hmm. same intro, like verbatim. I've read it verbatim <laughs> for every class that we've been in together. I actually Copy like post. Ryan as a person. I know he's phoning this this in right now. Like, I get it. But Oh, wait, our students would never do that. <laughs> but a spark from you, an Adobe spark from you, or any sort of um, media. Mm-hmm. Like, I love when it's just, um, hey, you can use Adobe Spark if you don't have an idea of what you want to use, um, but mm-hmm. also so if you really like using something else, like if you want to make a Powtoon, like have at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and having people submit um, content that they've created, I think is just, it's so integral to the experience. And we talk about community online and that is an easy, low lift type of thing to, to set it up right right from the get-go. Yeah, it's pretty low hanging fruit. But it makes me wonder, because um, that's a, again, pretty low hanging fruit. Spark, which is not to say that it's, because it's easy, it's lesser. The, no. the, the, the stuff you can produce using that tool is actually fact, pretty it's impressive. it's more impactful sometimes. Right. Yeah. But if, if a student, because uh, I'm always wondering, like, I, I love ODL. I, I love what you do for instructors. But I'm always kind of hazy, or I guess maybe fuzzy on what kind of support you can give directly to students, for example. So say a student uh, was in one of my classes. There's, there's a couple grad classes that we have where we actually do, uh, you know, Adobe Premiere mm-hmm. work. You know. mm-hmm. And I have them just using uh, public videos that are you know free to use and whatnot public domain so they don't have to worry about you know shooting anything it's not a video videography class you know it's, it's an educational technology class so right. more more focused on the tool than the actual content production but let's say that at some point one of them was like yeah, i actually i really love doing this and i want to do more could they like come to you and and you know use your tools yeah. and get advice and Yes, um, a big part of what we do is to try and empower uh, educators and students as well. And certainly if there's a course that requires uh, a certain level of understanding of technology from the students, you know, we are open to have students come in and actually work with us. Um, we're all about, you know, teaching people how to fish as opposed to giving them a fish, right? So. Um, we have also a, an incredible resource with uh, Brian Puente, who is our Adobe uh, ambassador. Love and, Brian. Love Brian. Yeah, and he's you know <laughs> a great resource. Um, you know he's always very welcoming, and students and, and, and instructors can contact him directly, and they get some guidance on how to use all of the Adobe products. Um, and but you know. Absolutely, you know, we can actually work with students and if it's also putting together a video that is a short tutorial on the expectations that you might have of your students in the course, that's something that we can work with you as well. Um, nice. Yeah, so I'm gonna write that down. I would also <laughs> so plus one to to everything that Louise said, especially Brian Puente, who um, in addition to doing sort of informal things where students can contact him, he actually holds office hours um, on campus. He holds virtual office hours for students that can't come to campus, and he does formalized trainings. But in addition to that, we have our instructional technology team, and they support um, students. Uh, 
any any University of Arizona student, whether they're um, part of Arizona Online or if they're um, a main campus student, um, they they teach all sorts of different types of instructional technology mm. and um, and different tech tools that we support. So we've got a lot of cool people. I think that's just the, <laughs> that should be the thesis. We have cool people. Um, you can work with them yeah. to make cool shit. And we were talking about that earlier that there, you know, so many new people. And yeah. they're all amazing. Yeah. I can't I can't think of one person that I've met in ODL that I've been like, <laughs> is, are they the right fit? <laughs> like, yeah. Everybody is amazing. So it was a lot of that was uh, Melody Buckner just setting the the stage and then mm. I've I've taken the the helm for the for round two <laughs> and I've jokingly <laughs> called myself the director of enrollment and admissions for <laughs> the Office of Digital Learning. Lots of lots of um, interview committees. Um, but the one cool thing that we've been able to do is talk about our culture and talk about our vision and find people that are really passionate about that too. I think we've all been in that spot where we've just said, you know, where where's my posse that is um, dedicated to the same things that I am and also really frustrated by the same things too. Um, and we've tried to seek out people that... that um, or just like, yeah, I'm all in on this. I have these skills to build. I have these skills to work with faculty really closely. But also, I am super passionate about making an impact for students in these specific ways. Mm-hmm. That's the trick. Because we're all passionate about right. helping our students. But finding people that are, are wanting to do it in in um, specific ways that our office is aligned to actually do um that's awesome. So we, we go to bed every night and we're like, yeah, uh, I'm exhausted, but also I feel like I've actually, I've actually done some, done some good in the world. So. And specifics are really important. Like I'm thinking about, you know, the, like Luis, like you said, the, we can do these things for you. Cause I think there's a lot of faculty out there that think, oh, you know, I would love to make my course more interactive and get more rich media in there. Mm-hmm. And they hear, you know, we can help you make meat, make media. For that but that is just so general and you think yes i would like to do that it's like what right i don't know you know like I, yeah like they don't have the time they just you know they're they're run off their feet to begin with and or i've been doing it this way for a really long time mm-hmm. um or I and teach it this works way and it works quote unquote <laughs> not that i'm not open to doing something else but it's that yeah. sunken cost effect of i know how to do this mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have the time to learn how to do something else unless it's going to be truly impactful to students. Um, and then people are willing to, to give it a shot. And um, I think that's the best part of having a consultation with folks. Like when faculty come in and it's just people in the studio showing examples and saying, this is what's possible, but also what would you do if you had unlimited support to do things? Let's Let's just enter into this how might we scenario and we might envision something that has literally never been done before not only by the studio but ever Mm -hmm. um but you have the freedom to try it because you have all of this support under you it's a really really big big safety net and you have people that have um, been doing this for forever and ever and ever and have won a bunch of awards doing it so you can try (laughs) you can trust them Yeah, um, to me, what's interesting is that, you know, it's difficult for instructors to really envision what can be done uh, when they come to us. And, you know, I mean, we, we need to 
also acknowledge that people are overworked, you know, they have busy schedules. So it's very, it's also kind of a barrier to imagine doing extra work for this online class. You know, people want to just kind of repurpose what they're doing in a face-to-face environment. And hey, Louise, can I just on. put a camera in the back of my classroom, <laughs> yes. from, it's, which is dimly lit? It's but also on one side, it's brightly lit. And right. um, <laughs> hey, Louise, I've got some yeah. transparencies that I would yes. <laughs> like to turn into powerpoints. Yeah, we, I mean that's that's classic, right? People are constantly saying, "Well, you know, I'm teaching this face to face. Can we just record the video of me in front of the class and then put that up online?" And, um, you know, that's really not considered best practices. The end result is not going to be as dynamic as we can make it if we're being more intentional about producing that media for the online modality. Um, So part of it is, you know, getting instructors on board with maybe a few extra steps that they need to take to do this right. Uh, But if we let them know how much better it's going to be if they just take a moment to re- to to be intentional about it. it. It usually pays off, and people very quickly get on board. Um, but you know, it's interesting. You know, here talking with you, Ryan, uh, a big part of what we do is answer questions about what we are able to do, and a lot of instructors come to us really not knowing what we're able to do, and you know, they have questions like, "Well, how much is this going to cost?" and you know, really, you're able to work with me? Is my department able to come to you? Um, so a lot of what we do is educational, uh, telling our story, telling uh, people about our, our culture, our mission, our objectives. Um, but I think there's a lot of, a lot of demystif- demystification that needs to happen with instructors because people really come to us not knowing what it is that we're capable of doing or what they can ask of us. So... So I'm really glad that we're having this conversation and hopefully this reaches people and gets people excited about working with us and or you know working in this similar fashion wherever they may be. And that's one thing that I always tell I tell everybody at the U <laughs> students, <laughs> faculty, staff, I'm like if you're asking to if you're being asked to pay for something, you're probably looking in the wrong spot. Yeah. Cuz chances yeah. are you can get it for free and you can get it better than what you were going to get they've paid for yeah i think right. that um that maybe speaks to the larger issue and this is at any university that we're all siloed yeah. we're all super busy so we don't have time to talk about what we can do and where we want to partner um and i think the best thing that we can do as educators is to tell our stories because chances are somebody else is either trying to figure out something that you're also figuring out or maybe they have already and if you're uh, getting that, that word out there, uh, you're probably going to be not only helping somebody else, but finding a co-conspirator, saving yourself a lot of time and frustration, and ultimately helping your students um, have a better experience. And that's really what it comes down to. You know, yeah. it's, it's some t- I've found that sometimes you, know, you, you, you have to do a lot more extra work for a little bit more ex- better experience. But at the end of the day, that's, I mean, A, it's kind of your job. (laughs) And B, you should be be passionate about that. You should be excited to want to do that. Yeah, and the work itself is rewarding, too. Yeah, maybe you're not doing the right thing if you're annoyed that you have to make things better. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe you're in the wrong, maybe you're in the wrong office. You know, right. we um, we joke about that sometimes. So there's some parts of instructional design. I think it's very similar to videography when you're editing and you're sort of in the weeds. Mm-hmm. Um, even teaching too, when you're when you're putting together a course or when you're figuring out, you know, how all of these pieces gonna are gonna fit together. You can either see it as a chore or as a puzzle.
puzzle to be solved. And we really look for people that are engaged and excited by puzzles. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, to the to the point that you have actually you have a puzzle table. We li- in your office, you literally have a puzzle table. <laughs> we literal and figurative puzzle solvers. Yeah. Um, so part of office culture is definitely um, thinking about what life work connections mean. So the ones that people come to ODL for are, hey, um, we recognize that you're working online. So if you need to work wherever, you can you can mm. do that with you know with a couple of parameters. Like if Luis is doing something in the studio, obviously, <laughs> that's a that's a fixed space. But we're we're really flexible about how that works. But also, hey, for the time that you're in the office, we realize that you're not a robot and you might need to um, just laugh a little bit um, or just relax, look at something different than what you're looking at. So there's a lot of um, shenanigans that happen within the office. When Luis and I were, um, we used to be cube mates. We were like right around the corner from each other. I remember one of my favorite exchanges that we had. Actually, there were there were many, many, but two <laughs> of my favorites were um, what all of the weird emojis meant um, that were definitely from Japan or from Southeast Asia. So we went down this whole rabbit hole of um, emoji history. And then I think it was like the combination of emojis because we were using the um, Kermit the Frog drinking tea meme a whole lot. (laughs) That was a lot of things that we were doing in those formative years. So Luis introduced me, and I think it was your daughter that introduced you to it, of just frog emoji, like green tea cup emoji. (laughs) And that became a big deal. But my other favorite, hands down, was when I came in and I told everybody that I was obsessed with Drake's Hotline Bling video. And that was at least, was that a month maybe? It was at least a month worth of material, yes. <laughs> but but you, oh, you introduced me to the, um, I guess it was the video of all of the best Hotline Bling memes. And there was like the one of Drake like on the Wii. And there was the one mm. of him like throwing pepperoni slices on a pizza. I mean, it was it was good. Right. Yeah, and you know, a lot of that came from my daughter because uh, they're kind of plugged into the online environment so I take a lot of my cues from them and it's really been a learning opportunity for me because I don't have to spend the time actually uh, delving into online culture as much because I can just kind of check in with them periodically to you see what... You have curators that live <laughs> yeah, in your house. That's brilliant. Yeah, and they kind of <laughs> they kind of clue me in and you know it's the type of thing that as a parent I can I can get frustrated by but I also see that it's such a part of their world that I really take the time to try and understand it and interact with them with a critical eye, uh, but also just acknowledging that it's, you know, it's a, it's a new paradigm that these young people are growing up in. These young people. And, <laughs> and you know, for me, it's just um, important to kind of try and understand it because it's moving so quickly. You know, we're all busy with our own lives that it's easy to just kind of dismiss as something that's, you know, just a fad, a trend, whatever. But um, for me, it's been really important to keep up to date with that and then also talk about it at work because it's part of what we do in, in 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 a certain way. So that's been kind of interesting for me. It's hilarious too. You know, when you do a lot with folks that are all over the country and Ryan, I know you're in the same boat where a lot of your co-conspirators are, you know, 
literally in other states and other mm. institutions, and you might see them in real life. Um, and like I use that once loosely. or twice a year. Yeah. yeah, breathing the same air maybe once a year. Ben Ben Scrag, a good friend of mine from grad school, that just happened to be out here as well, and I began working with randomly. Ben can't <laughs> Ben can't be too far from you at any given time. <laughs> so. We found out case. even before you guys knew each other. Uh, yeah. Um, you get used to meeting with people online and kind of um, seeing their space, recognizing the space that they um, work within and hearing their dog bark in the background or their kids. All of those things build, build the color of, of your relationship. And I think that um, for us with an ODL, whether it's face-to-face, whether it's online, because we do a lot over Zoom online and we see everybody's houses or their their home offices and things like that, or even now that we're spread across campus, you know, we will actually have huge team meetings that are half on Zoom, even though all of us are physically located on campus. So we get used to these spaces and we get used to this, um, <laughs> just the weirdness that happens in people's lives. And I think that that's so fantastic um, in terms of team building, because you can leave a job after how many years mm-hmm. and then you think about all of that good stuff of oh you know we um, ended up having this crazy idea to um, learn twine together uh, and actually uh, John Stewart and Keegan Long Wheeler were the ones that got me into learning about twine. I think they get everybody into learning about <laughs> twine. I've used it in my classes And arguably <laughs> everything that you should probably pay attention to right now and, and work into your work into your, into your education. I, I just saw a tweet this morning from John and I was like Oh, oh man, that gives me an idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's so dangerous. <laughs> that is very dangerous. He, he loves that, I'm sure. <laughs> He's just like you know planting these landmines all over of, of goodness. So landmines, landmines land of, of brilliance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they they got us into twine, um, me first, and then my team, but. Us learning twine ended up being an exercise in making a game about how ridiculous I am, and the all there are all of these. Does this game have an end? Uh, <laughs> it probably just goes on. There's a, there are endings. They're all bad. Oh, <laughs> Not one of them is good. No, there's there's a good ending. Um, you know, more to come, folks. On that, I don't want to waste waste your time on on hearing about the game when you could just play the game and and be rewarded by it. Um, and, uh, check the show notes for a link to this game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the fun thing about it was that we crowdsourced all of the dialogue in the game from ridiculous things that were said in the office, and basically worked in all of the members of the team in different ways. And um, Chris Ziska Strange, who's one of our newer IDs. She didn't have all of that ODL history, so she was actually a historian <laughs> that collected it and wrote most of the narrative in the game. So it just shows you that um, office culture—it's um, it, powerful. It's mm. something that actually drives our work in many ways because if we're having a good time, we're willing to persist, and um, it. Uh, opens us up to new collaborations that we might not see otherwise because each of us has, we all have our own networks and if we're passionate about our networks and we're passionate about bringing them to our other networks, you know, the the possibilities are infinite, which is super cool. I thought maybe you were going to say that she realized what the hell have I gotten myself into? <laughs> she These no people longer are, works here. No, are insane. <laughs> There's an ongoing legal issue that we can't really talk about. But. Well, she's working on her doctorate right now, and she is really excited about being Doctor Strange. So that should tell you how much that would be super awesome. How much we love her and uh, how ingratiated we are to her to have her on our team. She's you, one of us. <laughs> you got to get her 
the little glasses. A hundred percent. I want her. I want her to have that cape because I just want that cape to be around. I want to have conversations with that cape. <laughs> I love it. So, I, speaking of office culture and, and community culture, generally, just in general, and it's it's something that we've talked about many times, and something that I focus on in, in getting students to to build communities and co not cohorts because those are very top down yeah you know like you are with these people whether you like it or not and it's yeah arbitrary it's by time yeah it's absolutely arbitrary yeah it's like, hey you happen to fill out the paperwork at the same time yes so you're, you're gonna be stuck together for three years <laughs> great <laughs> awesome like but it makes it easier for us on the admin side so that's yeah. why you do things right oh absolutely <laughs> that's everything in my life is powered by how much admin i have to do <laughs> um but it made me think of uh one of the projects that we're working on that I thought maybe you would want to promote a little bit, speaking yeah. of squads. So I'm trying to think back. I love origin stories, which is why I'm terrible at actually telling stories because detail is so important to me. <laughs> Just and 99% uh, context and then, yeah. and then everyone died. Well, all, Whoa, my friend, wait, all my friends are like, you could have led with that. And then we could have <laughs> also not been sit- sitting here listening to you talk about the wallpaper color for <laughs> before everyone died. Hey. Um, but it's, hey, it's a great story. It's important. <laughs> so I've met a lot of um, really incredible people that have changed um, not only my um, my personal life, but just my professional life in an incredible, I'm going to say incredible so many times, incredible, incredible, incredible. Gordon Ramsay, amazing. Yes, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the most amazing podcast. This is dog The most food. amazing no, group. I'm trying to think of like other things that you would say. <laughs> that you can say on t- yeah, that, <laughs> that don't get bleeped out of time. Uh, you know, listen, if you want to bleep things that mm. even that are not curse words that I've said, that would be fantastic. <laughs> this is the first episode that... <laughs> Un- unnecessary censorship. Unnecessary yeah. censorship. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm down for that. So uh, I've met uh, research partners. I've met um, folks that I've presented with, um, folks that inform all of my own scholarship and the work that I'm doing through conferences, particularly uh, planning conferences and attending conferences that the Online Learning Consortium has put on and um, we uh, we collective we um, and then a small subset of those folks have looked back back and said hey uh, I think that there's something here in terms of not necessarily process because networks are loosely coupled but um, there might be a framework here at least some best practices that we see within this of acknowledging the fact that you meet amazing people um, at a cost because it is expensive to go to conferences both in time and resources but you meet a lot of awesome people um, and it's not necessarily about a strict presentation that you attend but it is about the dialogue that is generated in those spaces and the ideas that inspire you in your work but then you go back to your your office and you're back in the grind back in your routine you don't necessarily take the time to say okay how am i going to make these new ideas actionable How am I going to scale them? And how am I going to bring new people in to continue those ideas? So um, we decided to um, write a little bit, collect a little data, and then it ultimately turned into a website that's serving as a hub for content. And um, Squad Goals Network was was born. It's all inclusive, um, much like <laughs> the ha- best hashtag Squad Goals. Hashtag Squad Goals Network. <laughs> I feel like the majority of the things that I do around Squad Goals Network are saying, "Hey, this is our brand. Yeah, <laughs> we have to we have to use it consistently, <laughs> even it's, when I don't use it consistently." It's early 
days and branding is important. It is so important. <laughs> um, we also, it's funny, we, uh, I had a really great conversation with Chestnut and with Kate Sanka about branding because when you name something or when you categorize something, um, it tends to be exclusive whether you want it to be or not because you're creating a mm -hmm. boundary yeah definition yeah and we want this to be you know open the umbrella to be huge and we struggle with it um in the sense that we're people that um we we don't want people to feel like outsiders and outcasts all of us have felt like that at some point like am i part of this club can i be part of this club and nine times out of 10, if you're feeling that, the people that have the club, they want you there. You know, there's that one time out of 10 where people are like, no, we really don't want you. <laughs> and that's great. I, I hope that they say that more because those are the folks that you want to avoid and just, mm. you know, move on with your life. Or the Groucho Marx thing, you know. I would never be part of a club that would have me as a member. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is true. And I live much of my life by the Marx Brothers, which is also terrifying. Thank you, Rick Franklin, my father, for, um, for coding that in my brain but um we we discuss how we can create spaces that are inclusive um even though we have to define what our group does what our missions are what our goals are and then also be really open to the idea that people might pass in and pass out and that's okay too um, they don't necessarily have to persist um, with a group, but they always have a seat if they mm. want to be a part of it. So the way that we give people seats within this space is that we syndicate people's um, content. If they're bloggers, we actually um, allow them to give us a feed and we will promote their posts on our website. Um, we promote the work that everybody within our networks are all doing. We amplify voices on social media. Right now, again, we're in our formative um, days, weeks, months. <laughs> um, so we're um, really passionate about finding people that we have not found before that mm -hmm. might say, I don't really have a group. I don't really know how to connect to other practitioners within the field. Um, I just want to, I just want to chat. Um, so we're trying to find those folks and let them know that we have a space for them to do that. Misfit toys. Misfit toys. I mean, it's a big island now. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of toys on it, but um uh, we, we just want it to be what the what the group wants it to be, too. Like, we have a core of, I don't know, there's seven of us. Six or seven. Yeah. yeah, that we've dedicated our time not to sort of running it and making decisions about it, but just saying we recognize that there's a cost to maintaining a digital space, and that takes work and effort, but it's work that um, is honorable, and we want to do it. So how that's articulated is site maintenance, um, meetings to find new projects that we should be paying attention to and the coolest part that I am in right now which is a, a monthly social media takeover where one of the um, the authors uh, we're calling the the people that are doing the oversight authors um, will take to Twitter and maybe eventually Instagram and and who knows what else and um, run the social media channel so the squad goals network um, account on Twitter is me right now. <laughs> I think Taylor Kendall said what undercover Angela Gunder, <laughs> which I thought was great. Um, so I am undercover Angela Gunder for this month and um, just trying to uh, um, focus on bringing people in. And I, I wrote a little post on our site about um, my intentions for the month. I likened it to being overwhelmed by the um, ocean of resources and people that are out there. But um, sort of focusing on the tide pools, that the tide pools have 
you know, a wealth of information about all the things that are in the ocean. It's a little microcosm. And if you kind of start there and think about the connections within that tide pool to the larger ocean, um, it'll allow you to actually make progress. Because if you if you just look at the whole thing, it's like, whoa, I can't even. I can't even begin mm. to to dive in. Um, so that's my my intention for the month, my focus for the month, and then I'm going to write a reflection at the end of it, talking about all the things that I learned. I, I want to um, collect some data, which Ryan, you've been super helpful um, in teaching me all of the things that can be done with data that I haven't really um, done too much with, particularly um, with R and on all of the the, um, the coding and programming that you've been doing within that space. So I'm excited to see what sort of um, maps, constellations, whatever, um, tide pools to ocean <laughs> diagrams <laughs> we can make at the end of this month to tell the story of what it was like to um, to get this going. So, yeah. And there's a wealth of data out there that we can pull from, especially Twitter. Yeah. If you don't, it's just because it's just raw. It's just sitting there and we just got to pull it in. We do. And then um, tell the stories around it. So um, I'm particularly interested in seeing all of the people that are like second level connections to me that I don't know about right now. So that would be something that I would be interested in, in getting right away. And I think that there's some easy ways that I can do that. But of the folks that I consider to be my, my core folks that I go to when I have a question, who are their core folks that they go mm-hmm. to when they have a question? Um, so if I can get that second level kind of mapped out a little bit um, this month and um, at least see it for some of the other folks too, that would be a, a, an epic win as far as I'm concerned. How many degrees of Angela Gunder? Oh, <laughs> never about Angela Gunder. <laughs> Just so I'm not, I'm like the black hole. <laughs> well, yeah, in the sense that you pull everyone in towards you oh, and make gosh. everyone come together. I instantly regretted that metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. And that time stops as we get near you. <laughs> <laughs> that might be true. <laughs> so if people wanted to get involved, how actually, and, and for the Squad Goals Network and ODL, just to kind of wrap things up, you know, if, if people want to get involved, whether it's on the squad goal side as a content producer mm-hmm. or being a part of that or with ODL to talk to you folks about how you can work together and what you can do for them. Yeah. There, how, how do they do that? So ODL will do that first. Um, there are two ways that you can find us really, really effectively. One, if you're on Twitter, we're just UA underscore ODL. Um, and you can hit us up there. Our creative director, Sarah Moway, is helping to run our social media, and she's just an awesome human, which is my highest praise that I give people. <laughs> so um, you can uh, find us there. Uh, you can also find us on our website, odl.arizona.edu, and on the people section of that site, you'll see all of our friendly faces, including Luis and myself, and contact information for us. And just reach out. I mean, whether you're at the University of Arizona or not, whatever your role is, we love to just chat about what folks are doing, what questions they're they're asking, and that's a really good way to, to get started. And then for Squad Goals Network, it's just squadgoalsnetwork.com. Um, our um, Twitter handle, I will um, we'll put in the show notes because it's Squad Goals Network without any vowels. Yeah, because Squad Goals Network as a word is just a little bit too long. <laughs> we exclude nothing but vowels. Yes. This, this was an executive decision that I made about a month ago. That's that's what it means to be an author. It's that there's nobody else to make this decision, mm. so just do it. Um, Better to ask forgiveness than permission. Yeah, except we won't even do that. No, we won't. It's <laughs> tough. Literally. Don't hold your breath. And um, you can also use the hashtag uh, squad goals network spelled out 
uh, in its entirety. And um, we're looking for people that are interested in any level of participation. So if you just want to chat with us, that's great. If you have a blog or a podcast that you want to syndicate on our site, that's great too. Um, one of the easiest ways to get involved and one that we're going to be publishing a white paper on very soon is um, on the stories that we're collecting about the power of uh, personal learning networks. So if you've been aided by a core of people in whatever capacity uh, with in um, higher education, digital learning. Uh, we have some prompts there on the site. You can answer those questions um, as long or as short as you'd like about how you've been impacted and um, what that's done for students, including if you are a student, what that's done mm -hmm. for you. So um, that's on the Squad Girls Network website. You can, you can share one of your stories with us. And should emphasize that, that this is not just for people in the field, right? This is no. this is something, it doesn't matter what level, what profession, what you know, student, faculty, staff, Where you outside are of higher education career, entirely. Where you are life cycle, does not matter. We, we want you to tell your story. And um, we, we truly believe that um, we're strengthened by talking about the folks that help us out and um, a little bit of reflection on, on who those people mm. are and, and what that actually means. Um, so that storytelling piece, the elevating voices piece is important. And we neglect folks that are early in their careers. We neglect folks that are grad students that mm. are, you know, wearing multiple hats. Um, we neglect undergrads too, that are just coming in and they're like, I don't necessarily know what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. That's good. You should not yeah. know. Explore, I still don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing the rest of my life. Um, but all of that is really important. And the one thread that we found to be true is that our connections between us, we need to talk about them, we need to share them, and we're better for it. We're better together. And that's one thing. I uh, will plug for myself here real quick because <laughs> it's my show and I do what I want. <laughs> I actually, I teach a class of all freshmen every spring for the Honors College. And it's pretty much it's it's something you can do um, I don't, I don't know what faculty can do it, but I was offered the opportunity and uh, I get to pick whatever and I'm doing like cyborgs and transhumanism and, yes. and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, it's really, it's great. But uh, it's that's one of the things that I really love about teaching first year students is that they don't know. You know, they, you got to pick a major when you apply. And that's crazy. I, I'm assuming you do. I just been. 20 some years, it's been 20 no, years they, since I did that. But, you know. A, you do, and B, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I think it's it's foolish to, well, <laughs> I'm going to make some enemies here. <laughs> I think it's foolish to presuppose that anybody would know what they, what they mm. would be interested in and be good at um, when they're 17, 18 years old and have not sampled everything on the buffet. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I was a traditional student, straight out of high school into college, and I wanted to be an English teacher. Yeah. And then I went to my master's and studied religion. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm teaching about cyborgs. Like, so. but, but also, but, did probably, I expect that? No. You're probably not. partially an English teacher still. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's funny how my students works. I'm sure my students hate that because I'm <laughs> really, really picky about APA. <laughs> yeah. Good good on you. <laughs> so, Luis, is there anything that you want to throw out there about the Media Production Lab before we, uh, before we wrap this up? Well, um, you know, I just encourage people to well, seek us out. Uh, the information that Angela gave is a great way to contact us. But I encourage people that are teaching online to really look at the potential of media within their courses and storytelling. You know, that ultimately is what we're about, is trying to tell the stories of the instructor and of the subject matter. Um, so I think the the 
the power of storytelling within education is sometimes overlooked when people just kind of get stuck in a rut and this is the way we do it and it's just very didactic. Um, but I think there's a lot of potential in media production and the role that media plays is in online education is very exciting to me. And I think when instructors finally get it, it can be exciting and energizing for, for the uh, teaching process. Yeah, and, I, and, I know, and I know that students, you know, when they see that the instructor is, is doing something like that, yeah. is encouraging. You know, it makes them think, oh, this they really care right. about this. It's not just, you know, here's a paper topic and here's an exam and right. watch this video. It's, yeah. this is this is a video, but it's me and I'm talking to you and we're producing it. And, you know, it's, it's changes how they feel. I think, at least I've been told. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's much more accessible than people think. You know, sometimes people uh, feel like, oh, it's going to be just a huge production and I don't have mm -hmm. the time for it. But really, you know, our, our department here is designed to make it easy for instructors and really empower them in the storytelling process. Um, so I just encourage people to allow themselves to think about the potential of video within their course and media in general. And telling stories, is yeah. a, that's a great way to do it. Yes. Which reminds me that, um, speaking of telling stories, we this November, we will be in Orlando. Yes. Doing a podcasting presentation. Yes. Well, a workshop. Te <laughs> technically a workshop. It's an express workshop. It's an express workshop. We're going to do it all, <laughs> but in 45 minutes. Yes. It's going to be hot. Because <laughs> of the friction. Um, so it, if... Um, I'm trying to think of what I wanted to say about that. <laughs> just the fact that we're going to do that. So we're actually going to be talking and, and helping people to learn how not just to tell a story, but to do what we are physically doing right now. Yeah. In this room, right? Putting together the podcast, knowing what the hardware is like, I think and everything... getting them to talk to people like Luis and say, you know, I have this idea. Do you maybe have the tools because I don't want to buy a $150 microphone for home? And That's right. I'd, I can build a pop filter, but I really don't want to have to. <laughs> you know, my I don't have a walk-in closet that I can use as a studio. You know. Spoiler alert: Ryan actually uses a closet sometimes I'd to record sometimes, in, sometimes. yeah, which is pretty sweet. It's great acoustics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so I was going to say everything that we talked about on this podcast. I think that there will be some. I know there will be opportunities for them to plumb those depths a little bit deeper. So the academic podcasting. Uh, Express Workshop will have folks from uh, the University of Central Florida and then also um, from Oklahoma State University mm -hmm. and the University of Arizona. I apologize if I'm neglecting somebody. There might be some corrections in the show notes. There might be. I don't know. <laughs> and then, um, There's a lot of us. We're going to have a Squad Goals Network presentation that Ryan and I will be at with Clark Shaw Nelson, John Stewart, and maybe some others that are part of the, the group. And then for the storytelling piece, um, there is a pre-conference workshop on Tuesday um, that John Stewart, um, Kathy Russell from the University of Arizona, uh, Michael Torrance from um, Tennessee. He's he's in charge of the entire state of Tennessee now, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of is, by the way. Um, he's also on the OLC Board of Directors, and a couple of us will be doing on um, Monomyth Online, so the idea of establishing students as epic heroes in their courses. And in your courses and um, a big part of that is is just the storytelling aspect too so um, there there's a bevy of resources available to you in the form of presentations but beyond that i would say that also literally talk to us about what you've got going on and we'll be able to help in november in orlando <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> physically in that space yeah. but aside from that you can always just contact 
any of us really at any time and you know speaking just one final thing before we wrap this up um speaking of the personal learning networks you know i angela you said something about you know some people don't even know they, they don't have a group mm-hmm. you know and they don't necessarily even know how to go about finding one you know and we are genuinely saying right here right 100 talk to us you can join we're happy to have you. Not can join you. You are officially. You are, yeah, you are actually already a part of it. You don't even know. <laughs> your, your membership card is in the mail. <laughs> Speaking of which, you've got to put that on the to-do list. Print out oh, sure. membership cards. <laughs> I want badges. This is really. I want, need, I want stinking badges. badges. <laughs> I want stinking badges. Okay. <laughs> Angela Louise, thank you very much uh, you. for being my thank inaugural guest. I've never done this before, and hopefully it, uh, hopefully it works well. Yeah. So, uh, thank so you. A lot of fun. Thanks. Cool.